How many people remember where we're at in 1 Samuel? <laughs> right? <laughs> That's exactly right. Can't get nothing by Gary. <laughs> so 1 Samuel chapter 5, we're not going to turn there, but it's a, it's an interesting passage to say the least. And uh, I'm not going to skip over a passage just because it's different. But uh, I wanted to, you know, go through this in a godly way, in a God-honoring way. Not joking about it, because God's written some stuff here in Scripture that when you're reading it, you just go, huh? Or you're like, wow, that's in there? And you're like, well, I would have left that out. But God didn't. So if we could, just for sake of just getting through this, turn to Romans chapter 15 and verse number 4. We're going to hit a few Scriptures. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. And it says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. So this is written here that everything that's written aforetime in this book is written for our learning. We could agree on that. And if you don't agree with it, then take it up with God, because that's what He said. I mean, it's that simple. Um, it's written for our learning. Paul says it's written for our examples in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, um, verses 6 and 11. Um, look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses, verses 3 and 16 and 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. This is popular scriptures. We all have heard them many times. But it's good to bring these up when you're reading and to remember it. All scripture. What scripture? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I mean, even in Luke chapter... Oh, praise the Lord, I'm actually right there. Luke chapter 24 and verse number 27, Jesus is telling those two that were on the way to Emmaus, he says, in beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So he went through the whole Old Testament from Moses all the way to Malachi and was talking about the things just concerning himself. That's all scripture, that Old Testament. And sometimes, like I said, you just, you read a passage and you just go, well, why is that in there? <laughs> you know? And I remember, you know, let's just turn around. I'll give you one real quick, because if, if I do just keep going through 1 Samuel, eventually we'll get to this part, and then it'll already be covered. So 1 Samuel chapter 18. Maybe I might cover it again, so let's turn over to 1 Samuel 18. This was the, the first time I ever just was... I'll just be honest. Question God. Read this passage over many times. And it's a tough passage. And I read it and I was just, you know, let's just read it. First Samuel 18, verse number 20. It says, And Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David, and they, and, they, and they told Saul. And the thing pleased him. And Saul said, I will give her, I will give her that she may be a snare to him. Well, there you 
a snare, huh? Like the devil. You can never see what's working in his life. And that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Wherefore, Saul said to David, Thou shalt this day be my son-in-law and the one of the twain. And Saul commanded his servants, saying, Commune with David secretly, and say, Behold, the king hath delight in thee, and all his servants love thee. Now therefore be the king's son-in-law. And Saul's servants spake those words in the ears of David. And David said, Seemeth it to you a light thing that be a king's son-in-law, seeing that I am a poor man and lightly esteemed? And the servants of Saul told him, saying, On this manner spake David. And Saul said, Thus shall you say to David, the king, Thus shall you say to David, The king desireth not any dowry, but a hundred foreskins of the Philistines to be avenged of the king's enemies. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. And when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to, the, to be the king's son-in-law. And the days were not expired. Wherefore David arose and went he and his men and slew of the Philistines two hundred men. And David brought their foreskins and gave them in full tale to the king that he might be the king's son-in-law. And, and Saul gave him Michael's daughter to wife. And Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David. I mean, I've read right past that a few times. Miss Muir, have you ever taught that in Sunday school to the kids? For obvious reasons. You know what I mean? And I remember very vividly just sitting on my, on my bed reading this scripture. And I was just like, and it was, I was just like, you just kind of go like, why is that even in there? You know? And I kind of, it was like one of those ones where you scoffed you know, a little bit and the, and the Lord says, what for did you laugh? And he went, pink. <laughs> and then, but I was sincere about it. So why is that in there? And the Holy Spirit goes, you know what? Some people got more faith than others. Some people you just asked to, hey, can you just mow the front yard? And they'll mow the front yard and the side yard. Some people you can say, hey, will you, will you do pull the weeds on the side over here, just in this little spot? And they'll weed the whole house. Just to be a blessing. Some people will just go above and beyond what they're supposed to do. Some people you say, hey, you just, can you just sweep the floor right here? Even though this was the, the only spot that might be dirty and there might be some dirty spots back there, they're just going to do the bare minimum. David wasn't just going to do just the bare minimum. So as I scoffed at the Lord a little bit, and I said, why is that in there? <laughs> I went, oh, sorry, Lord. <laughs> yeah, I got a little convicted over that. I put that in there for a reason. Some people do more and above. You know, faith is something that's measured. By the way, it goes without saying, you know, these guys just didn't give these things away. They all died. Right. And it, it didn't concern David. He knew the Lord was with him. And he went above and beyond. You know, some people give more. They give more of themselves. Trust in the Lord. They'll give more of their life because they know the Lord. 
and they trust in the Lord, they'll give more of their pocketbook. Amen. Verse number 28, And Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with God. All right. That being said, we turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 5. I like how it says there, it says Samuel knew that the Lord was with him. This first Samuel chapter 5, they're going to find out who God is. These Philistines are going to figure it out. They're going to figure it out the hard way. It goes all the way over there in chapter number 6. Talking of the emeralds. We've all heard this passage. I'm not going to preach it. I'm just going to try to teach it in a God-honoring way. 1 Samuel chapter 5, we'll read through it, and then we'll just kind of go back through it. It says, And the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it to Ebenezer unto Ashdod. And when the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when, and when they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and set him in his place again. And when they arose early on the morrow morning, Behold, Dagon was fallen unto his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord, and the head of Dagon was, the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold, only the stump of Dagon was left of him. Therefore neither the priests of Dagon nor any that come into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon and Ashdod until this day. But the hand of the Lord was heavy upon them of Ashdod, and he destroyed them and smote them with emeralds, even Ashdod and the coast thereof. And when the men of Ashdod saw that it was so, they said, The ark of God of Israel shall not be able to abide with us, for his hand is sore upon us and upon Dagon our God. They sent therefore and gathered all the lords of the Philistines unto them and said, What shall we do with the ark of God of Israel? And they answered, Let the ark of God of Israel be carried about unto Gath. And they carried the ark of God of Israel about thither. And it was so that... that after they had carried it about, the hand of the Lord was against the city with a great destruction, and he smote the men of the city, both small and great, and they had emeralds in their secret parts. Therefore they sent the ark of God to Ekron, and it came to pass that the ark of God came to Ekron, that the Ekronites cried out, saying, They have brought about the ark of God of Israel to us to slay us and our people. So they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, send, send away the ark of God of Israel and let it go again to his own place, that it slay us not and our people, for there was a deadly destruction throughout the city and the hand of God was very heavy there. And the men that died were smitten with emeralds and the cry of the city went out to heaven. You know, this, this passage can be kind of humorous. And it's not just for the emeralds, but we'll get into it. But there's other, there's, it's, God is funny. God's got a sense of humor. We're going to see that. And it's, it's, it's great. I love God's sense of humor in this. And I can't, I, I want to get to it, but we've got to go verse by verse. <laughs> but, uh, you know, anyhow. So a little backstory. The Philistines knew that they got this ark. 
I mean, they took it. They, they got it in the battle. I mean, they slew Hophni and Phineas, and uh, Eli fell over backwards. He's dead. And uh, they got this thing, and they, they bring it into the house of their God. And, uh, and the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it into Ebenezer and Ashdod. It says, And when the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of D- Dagon and set it by Dagon. So studying out Dagon, Dagon was the crop fertility god. Like the god of harvest, god of wheat harvest. God was going to give you the grain. And they have it also said there that he was the legendary, I mean, legendary inventor of the plow. How you ever get this stuff, I have no idea. But that's what these people believed. I mean, you studied it out and that's a, I mean, and when you read that through, I mean, don't forget that. When it read that through, it gets even funnier. Because God's going to make them see something. You know, we're going to see something about your God. Amen. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to hold back the Christmas presents right now. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> but uh it's funny. So they bring Dagon this gift. This prized possession that they, they won in battle. And this ark is going to signify God's presence in the presence of these Philistines. They say, you know what? We stole what we thought was... Something to have to do with their God. We got it and we're going to go put it in our, in our house over here next to our God, Dagon, and just for a gift for him. <laughs> and dunk. And they put it in there and you know what? They're going to find out some things. It says, and when they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and set him in his place. You know what I do realize is just kind of neat when you read scripture though? It's just looking at, I mean, Philistines obviously they're bad people. That's how we look at them, you know what I mean? But even the Philistines rose up early in the morning to worship their God. David said raise up early in the morning. By the way, thank you for all being here early this morning. <laughs> Appreciate your faithfulness. Um, with that, turn to Psalms chapter 63. I just want to read this verse. It's always good to read your Psalms. David sought him early. Psalm chapter 63 says, O God, thou art, verse number one, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for, thirsteth, thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. You know, David just saw him from the morning all the way till the night. 
That's a good thing to do. Just checking in with the Lord. See how He's doing. Meditating on those verses. Meditating on those things you learned. I've been meditating on this passage. <laughs> I mean, and he give you, He'll give you an answer. Amen? He'll give you an answer. You search Him with, with your heart, whole heart. Turn back over there to 1 Samuel chapter number 5. It says, They sought God early. Verse number three, and when they Ashdod arose early on, and when they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. You know, seeking seeking the Lord early, you know, to help your thoughts. You read those verses and you you meditate on those, or give you, give you some more patience with people. I work with a guy who's addicted to drugs. I need patience. <laughs> I see some reactions and faces back there. People know this. You wake up and you don't seek the Lord first off the day and you get around some of these lost people and pretty soon they won't know you're saved. You know, that's been my testimony sometimes, unfortunately. Help you to walk in the Spirit, seeking Him early. Not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. It'll help your heart. It's a good way to start your day. Unless your God is Dagon. Because right. <laughs> then, he'll be falling to the ground upon his face before the ark. Not beside it. Not beside it. And I do want to look at this. Look at uh, Mark chapter 3. I don't, I believe the, I believe with all my heart he wasn't just laying down there. Like the ark was, let me find my place here real quick. He wasn't just laying beside it. I believe with all my heart he was just laying there, like facing it. I mean, just bowing down, crunched down, boom. You're bowing before me. And I got scripture, I think, to prove it. (laughs) Mark chapter 3 and verse 11. Says and, all, and the unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, "Thou art the Son of God." You know what? They just they knew, they knew who God was. Those spirits did, and they just come down and they bow down right before, they'd fall down right before God. That encourages me that my God's not Dagon. <laughs> Look at uh, Luke chapter eight. Luke chapter 8. And verse number 28. It says, this is the maniac Gadara when they get off the boat. It says, and when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and with a loud voice saying, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God, most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. And we know this story. I mean, he was, he fell down there and then by the end of this thing, he, he's at the feet of Jesus, just like Mary worshiped him. All those people say they were scared. They saw him in his right mind and they were scared. I mean, that's, this is great. 
<laughs> That's great. You know, you love it when somebody just gets really saved. Somebody like that. Amen. It's almost like a worship. Look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, speaking of the wise men. No, Dagon just got chopped down. I know he just got knocked down there. And he's fell before him. Matthew chapter 2. And in verse number 11. It says, And, they, and when they were come to this, speaking of the wise men, and when they were come into the house, they saw him with the young child, with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So, I just think it goes without saying that I think Dagon got knocked down and he's facing this Ark of the Covenant as it is the presence of the Lord in, in their eyes. That's what they're going to see. They're like, look, our God is... What are you doing worshiping that thing? You know? What are you doing falling down before that? And the Bible says that they picked him up and they didn't say that. It says, and they set him in his place again. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> if you got a God <laughs> that you got to set in your place again, <laughs> probably find a different God. <laughs> probably ain't going to work. You know, you can't put my God in his place. There's a lot of people that try to do that. You're going to put God in his place. Like I say, good luck. Best of luck with that one. It's uh, it's not going to work out too well for you. Verse number 4 in 1 Samuel chapter 5. It says, And when they arose early on the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both his palms of his hands were cut off from the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left to him. I mean, it's, oh, it gets great. It gets better. So they got up early again. They're going to go check on Dagon. He's, he's fallen face down. His head's cut off. His hands are cut off. His palms. His, uh, and Dagon for at that point, he, he can't get up. I mean, Dagon's busted into pieces. And your God's broken. But the funny part here, and it says, And Dagon, both his, both of the palms of his hands were cut up off upon the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left to him. Okay? How'd you get that? Dagon is the God of crop, fertility. He's the God of the wheat harvest. He's the God of the harvest, the grain, and the legendary inventor of the plow. Now, the threshold. Did anybody know how that, that term threshold came about when they would harvest the thresh and all that thresh would come about? You would throw that in their house. They would be able to walk along all that stuff, you know, because you weren't walking in the mud. And then the threshold would sit right at the door of the house or of the door coming in, and that would hold the thresh. It's all your leftover harvests. 
is the thresh. And all you got left after the harvest is a stump. So in a sense, Dagon just got harvested by God. Oh, it gets better when you get to chapter number seven. <laughs> like I said, I'm trying not to throw all the Christmas presents out right now, but it's funny. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, he did. I like how God uses those terms, thresh and stump. I mean, you go to harvest wheat, you know, you get, you get a little, little stump, little, little stubble left. And that thresh really ain't good for nothing except walking on. And your God, <laughs> well, his head's busted. His hand's laying on the ground. And all that's left of him is a stump. Because God harvested him. I don't know why that tickles my heart so much. It just really does. <laughs> and this, this part's even funnier. Therefore, neither of the priests of Dagon nor any that come into Dagon's house tread upon the threshold of Dagon and Ashdod until this day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, you can't go treading around Dagon. He might fall over. You might break him again. <laughs> but you want to know what? The ark's fine. How come, how come, how come that thing didn't get hurt? Maybe you're just, maybe, what's, what's up with this thing? How come our God's broke and this thing's busted out? Nothing happened to it. Verse number six, but the hand of the Lord was heavy upon them of Ashdod and he destroyed them and smote them with emrods, even Ashdod and the coast thereof. Now that's a heavy hand. And you say, why emrods? I got no idea. I did not read a commentary to find out that answer. <laughs> I'd imagine it was probably because of be humble. Humbling them. In the sight of the Lord. Like, man, this ain't never happened to us before. I did think of a little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump, speaking of sin. And you know now. And he destroyed them from the whole countryside even to the coasts. You know what you can learn from this? The heavy hand. You know, I don't want it. I never want this upon me. Verse number 7, And when the men of Ashdod saw that it was so, they said, The ark of the God of Israel shall not abide with us, for his hand is sore upon us and upon our Dagon our God. You know, ever, ever since this thing came here, it's been tough here. What they're saying. But they know what they, now they know who has the power over who. They figured it out a little bit sooner than Pharaoh. Their hand is sore upon them. Eight and nine, then they sent and gathered all the lords of the Philistines unto them and said, what shall we do with the ark of God of Israel? And they answered, let the ark of God of Israel be carried about unto Gath, and they carried the ark of God to Israel about thither. And it was so that after they had carried it about that the hand of the Lord was against the city with a great destruction, and he smote the men of small and great, and they had emeralds in their secret parts. You know what? It's no secret who God is now. It's not. Even 
No, they didn't want it there. They said, you know what? Get this thing far away from us. Just get rid of it. Verses 10 and 11, then, Therefore they sent the ark of God to Ekron. It came to pass as the ark of God came to Ekron that the Ekronites cried out and saying, They have brought about the ark of God of Israel to us to slay us and our people. So they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, Away with the ark of God. Away the ark of God of Israel. And let it go again to his own place that it slay us not. And our people, for there was a deadly destruction throughout all the city. And the hand of God was very heavy there. Now Ekron says, you know what, get get even farther away. Get rid of this thing. Send it back to where it came from. Which is probably what God was trying to do there in the first place. Just, this don't belong to you guys. Get rid of it. Send it back. You shouldn't have took it. Now verse number 12 says, And the men died... And the men that died were smitten of the emeralds, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. You know, God heard it. He's crying unto him now. And to get into chapter number 6 here, and it finally gets back over to where it's supposed to be, by, by verse number 7, or chapter number 7, and in verse number one, he says, "And the ark of the Lord was with the country of the Phil- was in the country of the Philistines seven months." So this whole chapter number five was seven months. I mean, what a thing! I mean, heavy hand. I don't want any of that ever in my life. And in chapters, in verse number two through three of chapter number six, you figure out these priests. And their counsel that they have to get rid of this thing. Which is, let's just read it. And the Philistines called for the priests and diviners saying, What shall we do of the ark of the Lord? Tell us wherewith we shall send it to his place. And they said, If you send it, if you send away the ark of God of Israel, send it not empty, but anywise return him a trespass offering that ye shall be healed and it shall be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. You know what? They said, don't send it away empty. You know what? You guys stole that thing, but you better send it back with something else. Better send it back with a trespass offering. And offer that to their God. And hopefully it's going to fix this problem. Verse number 4 and 5. It says, Wherefore ye shall make images of your emeralds. Or I'm sorry, verse number 4. Then they said, What shall this trespass... Then said they, What shall be the trespass offering which shall return to him? They answered, Five golden emeralds and five golden mice, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines, for one plague was on you all and on your lords. Therefore ye shall make images of your emeralds and images of your mice that mar the land, and ye shall give glory unto God of Israel. Peradventure he will lighten his hand off you, and from off your gods, and from off your land. <laughs> right? I mean, I can't, right? God's funny. I mean, and like I said, you can, this is, God's got a sense of humor. I don't want to learn it this way though. You know what I mean? I'd rather, man, happen to those guys and read it and learn from them, you know, learn from other people's mistakes. I mean, that's, amen, you kids back there, learn from it. Yeah, amen, amen, it's okay to raise your head even higher on that. But learn from them. I mean. It's humbling. 
You're going to have to make these images. <laughs> right? Right? I mean, like I said, you read through this and you're like, man, why is that in there? He humbled them. Make these images of these things. And the mice. I mean, I was, I was on, my, on my bed the other day and a little mouse ran through. You know, a little mouse runs through your house, it's kind of humbling. Yeah. See, you know what a mouse is? It's just, you know, rats are disgusting, but mice are just even smaller. <laughs> you know, you're like, I hate those things. You know, they just, you little sucker. <laughs> Ran over there and, and it's humbling. I mean, I was thinking, imagine you're an archaeologist. Yeah. I mean, right, right, right. I mean, you all watch, I like watching Indiana Jones, probably one of my favorite movies when I was a kid, you know what I mean? And you, and you, they're always finding all this cool stuff, but all of a sudden you open up some pyramid and here's this images of mice and emeralds. You're like, Bob, what do you think this is? I got no idea. You know what I mean? <laughs> Somebody's going to be like, well, I'll tell you what it was. That was it. I mean, don't send it away. Send it away. You're going to have to make these to humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And he told that to these kings. And these kings are like, okay. <laughs> I guess that's what we're going to do. <laughs> right? Whatever, whatever we got to do to get rid of this thing. I mean, verse number six. And after they do that, he even gives them a little Bible counsel. Wherefore then do ye harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts? When he had wrought wonderfully among them, did they not let the people go and they departed? So you better remember what the Bible said and what, what God did to those guys back there. Better just get it right. Don't harden your hearts on this one. Verse number 7 says, Now therefore make a new cart. You know that new cart? That's where David got that idea from. Philistine's idea. And we know how that went. But he made that new cart. and That's the Philistine's idea. And take two milch kind. Those are like cows on which there hath no yoke and tie the kind to the cart and bring their calves home from them. Verse number 8. And the ark of the Lord and lay it upon the cart and the jewels of the gold which he returned for a trespass offering and in a coffer by the side thereof and send it away that it may go and see if it goeth by the way of his own coast to Beth Shemesh. Then he hath done us this great evil, but if not, then we shall know that it was not his hand that smote us, it was by, it was a chance that happened to us. And then the, and the men did so, and took the milch kine, and tied them to the cart, and shut up their calves at home, and they laid the ark of the Lord upon the cart, and the coffer was with mice, and the go, uh, and the coffer was with the mice of gold and the images of their emeralds. And the kind took the straight way to the way of Bashemish and went along the highway, lowing as they went. And turned not aside to the right hand nor to the left, 
And the lords of the Philistines went after them unto the border of Beshemish. You know, they put that ark on a new cart and the trespass offering. I, I find it weird how it says they calls it jewels of gold. <laughs> right? These aren't any jewels that I would want unless I was going to melt them down. But uh, verse 11 tells you what they are. And they attach this cart to the cattle and they send it away. And the cattle, the you know, the cattle, the cattle lost their calves. That is kind of key in this story. It did say that it was hurting their land. They were lowing as they went. I don't know if you ever had cattle and you start separating them from their from their calves. Oh man, just it's like a train horn. I mean, anybody that lives by a farm and they've seen it, it's just, I mean, you can hear it long ways away. The Bible says lowing as they went. You know, that's normal. That's normal. I heard a preacher one time, he was preaching on this, and he said he got that, he lost his son. And he was just grieving over stuff. And this guy came up and, and showed him this verse. He said, you know what? They just lowing as they went. And he said, man, that helped me. I mean, that's a, that's a neat verse to help somebody in. Right in the middle of that passage. And they went the straight way. I do like that. They just went the straight way. The Lord just guided them down the straight way. And in verses 13 through 16, And they of Bethshemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley, and they lifted up their eyes and saw the ark and rejoiced to see it. And the ark came into the field of Joshua of Bethshemite and stood there where there was a great stone, and they clave the wood of the cart and offered a kind, offered the kind a burnt offering unto the Lord. And the Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the coffer that was it, that was with it, wherein the jewels of gold were, and put them on the great stone. And the men of Bashemus offered burnt offerings and sacrificed sacrifices the same day unto the Lord. And when the five lords of the Philistines had seen it, they returned to Ekron the same day. What these guys are doing, they're reaping the wheat harvest. Dan got it. <laughs> and they cleaved this cart and they offered the kind for the burnt offerings. And in verse number 16, it says, And the five lords of the Philistines had seen it, and they returned to Ekron the same day. So you're God. Let's just put this into perspective. You're, you're a Philistine. Your Lord, your God is Dagon. The God of the wheat harvest. The God of the grain. The God of the plow the legendary inventor of the plow. Your, your God is now broken. Your land has been suffering, as it said over there in another verse. You now have emeralds. And your solution is to go get this thing away. And send it, make those images, we're going to send it. 
And by the time we send it all the way over to these people, we get all the way over to this hill where we're going to deliver it to them. And you know what you see? And they of Bashemus were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley. <laughs> You're like, I guess God's over here. <laughs> it's, fu- it's funny. I mean, it's just that straightforward. And it's not that they wanted to hang out. <laughs> But they're like, look, this is, this is where the ark's supposed to be. Guess God's over here. I like that. They're plowing. What their God couldn't do. They're reaping what their God can't do. And they're getting all this wheat that their God can't provide. I have to imagine that these Philistines, when they saw that, they just went, thank God, I think this is going to be over with now. <laughs> I really do. I don't know. But I imagine it was all better after that. <laughs> Verse number 19 through 21, it says, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the... No, wait, I turned the wrong one. Wrong one. 19 through 21. And he smote the men of Bashemish because they had looked in the ark of the Lord, even smote he the, the people 50,000 and threescore ten men. And the people lamented because the Lord had smitten many of the people with a great slaughter. And the men of Bashemish said, Who is able to stand before this holy Lord God? And to whom, who shall we go up from us? And they sent messengers to the inhabitants of Kirjath Jerim saying, The Philistines have brought again the ark of the Lord. Come ye down and fetch it up to you. The Lord smote 50,070 men for just looking into the ark. So lessons you can get from this. God, the God of Israel is God. You're like, duh, we know that. He's the one that created everything. In Genesis, we know all that. And maybe some of these Philistines, they figured it out. Another one, don't take holiness lightly. Don't take holiness lightly. There's some things you just don't want to mess with. Don't trespass on God's stuff. About this, careful what you bring into your house. Careful what you bring into your house. I'm not putting down the ark when I say that. But be careful. Taking possessions of certain things might have an effect on you. It hurts you. Hurts you. Hurt your family? Hurt all those around you? Even hurt your cattle? Your pets? Your livestock? Whatever animal you might have, it affect them. It might be joy at first, but something might pop up later. 
Pun intended. (laughs) You want you better just get rid of it. Sin has an effect on us. Had an effect on the Philistines, the countryside, the men of Bethshemesh. I mean, they was looking into it. Now, I don't imagine all 50,000, 70 of them all gathered around and looked in the ark at the same time. I bet it was just a couple. You gonna pop that thing off. Let me get a thing at that. You know what I mean? Pop. Probably shouldn't have done that. Found out the hard way. I think of Aiken. Brought something in his house he shouldn't have had. Had an effect on a lot of people. I think of chapter number four. Phineas's wife. Lost her husband. Lost her life. All because of lack of relationship with the Lord. Because of sin. And even these cattle, lowing as they went. Amen. It's four hour learning. And, uh, amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for these passages, Lord. And I just pray it was a, Lord, a blessing to you. And I did it in a God honoring manner. Lord, thank you for this day. I pray for the services, Lord. I pray for Pastor, Lord, that we'd see him here just, Lord, this next week. Lord, help us, Lord, and just, uh, Lord, we thank you for just being so good to us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.